Welcome to this week's podcast from the Equipping Center. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jacob Biswell. In your Bibles to Judges chapter 6. We're, can, we're finishing up our series uh, this morning on Gideon. Wow, it's so great to see all of your faces this morning. Amen. To be in the presence of God together. I just love His presence, don't you? Amen. If someone could get the lights, we're just going to give you some light to read this morning, to open your Bible to Judges chapter 6. We're going to jump down to verse 33 is where we're going to be. Judges chapter 6, verse 33. It is up on the screen. All right, it says, Then all the Midianites, the Amalekites, and the people of the east assembled together, and they crossed over and camped in the valley of Jezreel. So the Spirit of the Lord covered Gideon like clothing, and he blew a trumpet, and the Abizrites were called together to follow him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. I thank you that it's alive. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It's active. And God, I thank you this morning that your word would go forth to accomplish what you send it to do. We know your word does not return void, God. I thank you for the anointing that makes preaching easy this morning, that I might communicate your heart for your people, God. I yield myself fully to you. I recognize my total and complete dependence on you this morning. Apart from you, I can do nothing. But in you, I live and move and have my being. I thank you, Father, for the anointing that breaks yokes this morning. That, Father, we would see your kingdom manifest in your people. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been talking for several weeks about the person of Gideon, this great leader in the Bible uh, who came from obscurity, who was crushing out wheat in a, in a wine press to now leading uh, this, this army. And in this scripture this morning, to contextualize it, Gideon had won over his father's servants. And so we talked last week about uh, winning over even your family, that, that our first ministry starts within our home, and it starts with gaining a reputation among our family of character, of love, of all those things. And so in this, he effectively won over his father. You know, his father, the great Joash, who is a priest in the city, or, or we assume was a priest who uh, would lead people in worship of the false gods. And so he's won over his father. His father defends him in the public square. And he now had favor through his family come his way. And now the season had come. The moment in Gideon's life had come where attack was now upon the city. He had reached the moment that God had prepared him for all the way back in the wine press where God had called him out. Hey, you mighty man of valor, I'm preparing you for something. The enemies had gathered and the moment had arrived for Gideon to rise up as a national leader. And there are three things that I want to talk to you this morning about leading in whatever sphere of influence you're in. Whether it's ministry, whether it's the workplace, whether it's your family, whatever area that you are leading in, there are three things that I believe are critical from the life of Gideon that we can look at this morning. And the first one is this, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Now, I love this because in the Hebrew, when it says came upon him or clothed him, covered him, 
It is a Hebrew word, labas, and it means to put on like a glove. So God came to Gideon and put Gideon on like a glove. He filled Gideon, and the Lord, this is, this is incredible, y'all, the Lord clothed himself with Gideon. The Lord clothed himself. He used Gideon as a garment in that moment because God had raised up Gideon. He clothed him. He put him on. He wrapped around. And I want to say to you this morning, to do the extraordinary, we must experience the extraordinary. That the life of the believer is not just about head knowledge, y'all. We can have all of the knowledge of the Word. We can have all of the correct theology. We can have our T's crossed and our I's dotted. But until we experience the Lord, until we come into an experience with His presence, we will only have head knowledge. Gideon had admitted early on in his life, I can't do this. This is not something I can do. I'm from the smallest family in the smallest tribe, and I'm the weakest of my family, and I'm hiding in a, in a wine press, and you're coming to me and calling me a mighty man of valor. So Gideon needed God to put him on. Gideon needed that experience because in this moment, a nation assailed by an enemy had lost hope that they could ever gain victory, and what was needed was a miracle. What was needed was God. But see, God has His way, y'all. He has His way. An anointing given to someone to do the supernatural and the miraculous. Gideon was given something to face what others could not face. You had top generals. You had leaders of a city who could not face the Amalekites, who could not face the Midianites. They could not face the enemy. And there are people in your family who don't know how to break the curses that you can break. There are people in your family who do not know how to face what you're facing. But God can put an anointing on your life that can cause you to face what others can't face. I'm preaching better than you're responding this morning. See, he had given... Gideon and anointed to confront what others had cowered in fear from. It says, then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Some of you this morning need the Spirit of the Lord to come upon you. Some of you need an anointing to rest on you this morning. Some of you need to be put on like a glove so the enemy can be slapped around by the Lord. See, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon to take a discouraged man and turn him into a man of great leadership and courage. And at this point, we come to realize that you and I are called to do God-type things. We're not called just to do what we can do. We are called to do what God can do. But to do God-type of things, we need a God-type of empowerment. And so we've been talking for weeks about Gideon in a wine press and Gideon having to tear down altars. And some of you are still in that place where you're having to face the altars of your family. You're having to face the generational things that have plagued your family. But I'm telling you, God, this morning, I believe we're going to have an impartation service this morning where the anointing is going to come upon you, where God's going to come and put you on like a glove. We're going to have a move of God this morning, y'all. And this is why we need to connect to the anointing. 
We've got to connect to the presence of God to have our own Holy Spirit encounter. Y'all, I am more hungry today than I was yesterday, and tomorrow I'm going to be more hungry than I was today because I'm desperate to see a God type of anointing that can invade our city. I'm tired of things happening in our city on the watch of the church. And you know what's happening is that the church is hiding in their churches, and they're hiding in their rooms, and they're hiding together, and they're saying, God, rescue our city. And God's looking to empower the church to go out into the city with an anointing that breaks yokes and set people free. Do I have people this morning that want an anointing to set your city free? My God, I can feel His presence this morning. See, this is why we need the anointing to transform us into the type of person able and willing to achieve God types of miracles. I'm not okay with just doing what we can do. I'm not okay with just assembling every week and saying, okay, we're going to worship and, and, and we're going to just preach and, and we'll pray for a few people and then we'll go home and maybe we'll do our e-groups during the week and maybe we'll come have a nice little prayer meeting on Saturday mornings and we'll pray all the right prayers and say all the right words and pray for revival because that's what we've been told to do. No, I want an anointing that breaks yokes. I want to see our city transformed. I don't want to see the church full just so I can say we have a full church. You know what a full church represents? Transformation. It represents people's lives being healed and delivered and set free. And I'm not going to do it on my own. You're called to walk in anointing to see people transformed. You're called to walk like Gideon. Get out of your wine press this morning. Stop hiding. Somehow we've got to get to the place where we cry out, Lord, anoint me for the task before me. There has to be a recognition. I need something out of myself, outside of myself that can become part of myself to transform myself to the man or woman God has in mind for me. See, some of you are going to break generational spirits of addiction off your family line. Some of you are going to see your atheist children become believers. Some of you are going to see the prodigals come home. Some of you are going to see your family transform. But you know how it's going to happen? The anointing of God's going to come on your life. He's going to put you on like a glove. And so once that happened, there was a supernatural boldness that came upon Gideon. And he blew a trumpet. And that's point number two. He blew a trumpet. See, the mantle he received achieved more than just giving him a supernatural empowerment. It wasn't just about having an anointing. See, someone can have an anointing. I've watched many people over the years who have terrible character actually have an anointing and can have some signs and wonders follow their life and have some great things. But there's more than just an empowerment. It gave a capacity to call others to come forth. See, when you have an anointing from the Lord, it activates the anointing around others. It automatically positions you to issue a call that says, I've been there. I've been in the wine press. I've seen the altars. I've torn down the family altars. Now come out of your wine press. Come and tear down your family altars. Come and see a people delivered. It's not just about celebrities. It wasn't just about Gideon. It was about a nation. It was about a people seeing their nation delivered. And if you can get free, if you can get the anointing, you can impart that to others to see their family free. And that's how community transformation happens. It doesn't happen because 
because some great prophet comes to town and declares there's going to be revival. It comes because the people of God rise up and say, not in our city. Not on my watch, not in my family, not in my house. We will see the anointing of God. Cancer has to bow. Addiction has to bow. Barrenness has to bow. I have a generation that's supposed to come after me. I have a generation that's waiting for me to arise to my calling and my destiny. If Gideon had stayed in the wine press, we know God would have raised up another deliverer. We know that God would have used someone else. But why would you want God to use someone else instead of you? you. Oh, Jesus, it's important, therefore, to realize that when we come under the anointing, we recognize that God places it upon us and that mantle has the ability to bring others forth to their destiny. It's a mantle of influence and a change agent that will impact others. You know, we were talking with some friends of ours at dinner last night and and Pastor Ann had brought up a story I'd, I'd forgot about. There was a man in England, and uh, I have his name. I think it was Henry Jenner uh, was his name. And he handed out in his life, this is all he did in his life that, that from his perspective he had done, was he handed out 250,000 tracks just standing on a corner in London. And at the end of his life, felt like he had never done anything for God. And when they advertised his funeral and put his picture in the London Gazette, over a thousand people showed up at his funeral because they'd given their lives to Jesus because he had simply said, if you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven or hell and hand them a track? No other conversation with them. He had been punched. He had been hit. He had been kicked. He had been bruised. But he stood faithful to a call that God had given him, which was to stand on a corner and hand people a track. It's estimated. Estimated. Now, we, we don't know the actual numbers because only eternity knows that. But it's estimated that because of those tracks, over a million people came to know Jesus. Over a million people. But see, when God anoints you, it's not just for you. It's for others. It's to transform. It's important, therefore, to realize this is more than just being a great leader. It's about whom it is that God has anointed for the task at hand. Gideon blew a trumpet. If you'll leave that point up there. He blew a trumpet. Trumpets were used to call the nation to war. But prophetically, it's a prophetic voice calling a people to rise to new endeavors. And there are two things implied here. You will have people who will listen and respond to the call. And the second thing is you have a valid call to make. Your testimony is a trumpet in your hand. What God has delivered you from is a trumpet in your hand. What God has set your family free from is a trumpet in your hand. And when he blew the trumpet, there was a people to respond. You know, I think one of the most <clears throat> uncomfortable things sometime as a leader is having to blow the trumpet and wait for people to respond. Wait for people to respond. And so many of you in your families, because I know some of your testimonies have been blowing the trumpet for years. Waiting for your family to respond. But let me tell you, there comes a day 
there comes a day when the enemy gets real in their lives and they come face to face with the things that are coming against them and all of a sudden they hear that trumpet again. So I want to say to the faithful, keep blowing the trumpet. Keep sounding that call. Keep blowing the trumpet. You know, the other thing that's unfortunately very regular, someone will come to me or one of the leaders and request support for some endeavor, maybe mission work. I get people all the time, let me come preach for you. And I'm like, I don't know you. And it's discerning what trumpet is blowing. Is someone tooting their own horn? Or are they releasing the sound of the anointing? Because just, someone, just because someone can blow a trumpet doesn't mean they've built into the family. See, we're a family here at TEC. That's why we call it the family business meeting. And I do encourage you, come out to that. It's not just about money. Money is, is the smallest part of what we're going to talk about that night. And, and what we're going to talk about with money is what God has done over the last year. I mean, I'm telling you, if I could go into details this morning just about what we've sent overseas in missions, what we've been able to do in our own community, a million dollars of food distributed last year. Isn't that incredible? A million dollars of food distributed. And I'm going to tell you something else. We're not a small church. We're not a small church. Because Gideon said, but I'm small. And he says, no, you're mighty. We are a mighty church because we're his church and he's the leader. He's the captain. And so here's the thing is that when we're discerning whether someone's tooting their own horn or they're releasing the sound of anointing, we look at the credibility within the family. And so all of a sudden people will rise out of obscurity. And this is where the process is important. Starting next week, we're going to talk about Nehemiah. And, and I've got 11 messages laid out that the Lord just downloaded. And so we're going to talk about Nehemiah for as long as it takes. Probably 11 weeks. But, but there's a process that takes place. And there was a process in Gideon's life that took place to prove him as one who walked in the anointing. And the things that you're going through, the difficulties in your family, the difficulties in your work, the difficulties in your finances... They exist to prove you. They are fire to prove you. You know, Job said, I've been through the fire. What did he say at the end of that? But I came out shining like gold. There's a proving that happens. You want a great anointing on your life? You better be ready to die, baby. Like, you better be ready to lay on the altar, pick up your cross, because the anointing costs everything. Gideon had to die to his insecurities. Gideon had to die to his family history. Gideon had to die to who he thought he was because this is what God does is He has a pattern. It's not the exact steps for every person, but God does work in patterns. And He has a pattern to develop us into our individual ministry. And God begins in the family, whether the natural family or the spiritual family, the local church. It is where we prove ourselves. It's where we build relationships. It's where people get to know you. You know, this week I had someone call me and say, I'd really like to do such and such in ministry. And I, my first response was, how are you serving your, your church? Well, you know, I work, and, and, but I believe God's called me to ministry, and I believe God has this great ministry for my life, and I really believe I'm called to preach. And I was just... Re- what I'm really wondering is if you could give me some contacts of churches I could preach in. 
And I said, brother, I wouldn't give you contact, uh, contacts if an angel of the Lord came down and said to give you contacts. I said, Jesus himself would have to step off the throne and tell me to give you contacts of churches I've preached at. Because if you're not serving your local church, you have no right to serve someone else's. Because there is a process. There is a process that God takes us through. And we, we cannot skirt the process. We cannot take shortcuts through the process. Because God is proving us. He's dealing with us. And I said, so, why don't you give me your pastor's number? I want to contact. And I'll talk with him about the things that you could do to grow in ministry. And he's, oh, well, that's okay, brother. So I called his pastor anyway. <laughs> he didn't realize I knew his pastor. And I called his pastor and I said, Pastor, this is a friend of mine. He says, yeah, I know him. I went, oh, that's not a good response. And if you're watching this morning, brother, I didn't say your name. I said, Pastor, what, what's he like in the church? He says, well, he shows up late. He leaves early. He doesn't give. He doesn't serve. I see him occasionally when he snuck in the back. I said, well, where is he at on Sunday mornings? He said, I don't know. No one invites him to preach. I said, so what you're telling me is this brother doesn't attend church faithfully, doesn't serve, doesn't give. No one knows where he's at. I said, are there any other issues? He says, yeah, he's broken the hearts of five women in my church. And I said, so he's a multiple adulterer, a liar, and he doesn't show up for church. He said, that sums it up. I said, thank you. But see, we think because we can preach, and we think because we've seen a few signs and wonders, that, that gives us an anointing. No, the anointing only comes through the proving. And Gideon walked through a proving you see, I had someone, another person ask me a while ago, when will you recognize me as leadership? And my answer was, when you're recognized by others as a leader. You cannot be recognized as a leader until you're recognized as a leader. And so, Gideon blew a trumpet. But see, there's another part of it. There has to be people who will hear the call, but there also has to be a call to make. And to go into the next phase of your calling you must carry your own personal mandate. And this is point number three. You've had to have heard God. You've had to have heard God for yourself. Sometimes, or I mean, I'm sorry, something we constantly promote that I feel like I promote from this pulpit and that I encourage you is you've got to hear God for yourself. You've got to have the presence of God around your life. You see, the people of God can be led by a good idea. There, there are, there's natural leadership skills. Some people are just natural leaders. They can command a crowd. They can get people to do things. But the natural capacity and the ability of a leader will only inspire them so far. But we at TEC are doing a supernatural work, requiring supernatural capacity, and therefore requires supernatural revelation. I can preach about vision, Every single week. I can give you our four points of vision for the church. But unless you encounter God for yourself, you'll just be following Jacob. And you need to follow God. You need to be here because God's called you to be here. Not just because you like me. Because there will be a day you won't like me. There are days I don't like me. 
Ask my wife. There are days she doesn't like me. She always loves me. But there are days where she is not in like with me. And if you're only in the house because you're in like with the pastor, that vision will fail someday. But if you're here to serve the vision God has for you and for this house, then you'll, you'll run the distance. Two things when you've heard God. The first thing, it will resonate in the hearts of others. It will resonate in the hearts of others. And number two, it will contain supernatural power within the Word to accomplish the Word's directive. You know, I know that Hector and Susanna probably don't like when I brag on them, but I'm going to. I don't know if you understand the, the, the resume these two hold. I mean, they, they really could, if they wanted, probably teach at any university. They could probably get a job at any of the prestigious schools because that's just how awesome they are in a natural sense. But when they heard the call from God to be in this house, they said, we'll continue to serve in a place that doesn't recognize us. You know, they serve it at A&M not being recognized for who they are. They're kind of covert operation. A&M doesn't know what's about to hit them when they really get loose on that campus. But I think of others in the room this morning who, who had other opportunities, other places they could be. But when you've heard from God, you know, I had applied to, to do a temporary teaching position this summer online for a university. I thought, oh, this will be a great you know, little opportunity. I could teach for eight weeks and the, the money was really good. And I thought, this is a great thing and it's in my wheelhouse. I can teach theology and I love that. And they said, no, you can't have the job because you don't have your Ph.D. yet. But we'd love it if you'd move to Lynchburg, Virginia and, and be on staff with us and, and help run our theology department. And it was this great big salary. And I was like, oh, no, that's not what God's called me to do. Because when we catch the vision of God, that's the thing, y'all. Gideon had to catch God's vision before he could ever share vision with anyone else. Gideon had to be convinced. And when he blew that trumpet, he had already heard God. And it resonated in the hearts of others. And it contained a supernatural power within the Word to accomplish the Word's directives. See, it's not just the pastor hearing the resonating call. It's others hearing the resonating call. And the process is important. There was a need but the need did not constitute the call that still needed to come. There was a need for the people of God to be delivered from the Midianites and the Amalekites. But without a call, that need could never be fulfilled. There are needs in our community, y'all. But you got to hear the call. you got to hear the call for the needs around you. There was the call... But the call required followers. Then there were followers, but they needed a supernatural rallying call. And the pattern is same for us all. We're not called to do this alone. We're not called to build the church alone. We're not called to, to impact our community alone. It's not just the Jacob and Anna show. I hope it is never the Jacob and Anna show. It's God and His vision. But this is the pattern. There's a need, there's a call, and there's followers to the call. 
See, another weakness that so often afflicts the body of Christ is everyone is experts at telling us the need. You can talk to every organization in town and they will tell you all the needs. Jeannie knows that well. She knows all the needs in the town. But without the call, the needs are overwhelming. You can't meet everyone's need. Jesus didn't pray for every person he walked by. Now, does that mean we're cold and callous and mean and rude and angry Christians? No. We walk in love and compassion. But he didn't pray for everyone in that crowd when the woman grabbed the hem of his garment. There was a call. And we have to understand that, that in this call, the need that's on God's heart will be met. See, the experts are ready to tell us about the need and indeed what we should do to meet the need. I've had so many organizations call up the church and say, we have this need and we need you to do this. Who, who are you? And how do I know your call's legitimate? But when God... I mean, Pakistan is, is a perfect example of what we did last year in rescuing families from slavery and feeding families, who Christian families, who were not being fed by the government because they were Christians in the middle of the pandemic. And I, I don't have the numbers with me. I'll share them at Family Business Me, but... I mean, thousands of families were fed, y'all, from this little house. This mighty house, thank you. This house, this group of people said, we have a call. We'll meet the need. A million dollars in food in our own community. One day, even being impossible, not even knowing the food was going to show up. I'm going to put a sign that said, food distribution canceled. And they called me and said, I'm waiting here with your truck. I've got 60,000 pounds of food in the back. No, it was canceled. No, it's here. No, I have a sign that I just drew out that says food distribution canceled. But God had other plans. And like that, I mean, it just happened. And it was distributed. It was incredible. But see, I want to say to you, if you see the need, you go to God and get a call to meet that need. And if he doesn't give you the call, it's not your need to meet. As I close this morning, go ahead, Amber, put some music on. I believe there's, there's a presence of the Lord. I can feel his presence as I'm preaching this morning, which I normally feel his presence, but there's something unique when impartation's about to be released. I can, I can just feel the unction of the Holy Ghost this morning. If you see the need, you go to God and get a call to meet the need and then believe that God will give you the grace for the followers. You know, in, in that last verse, in verse 34, so the Spirit of the Lord covered Gideon like clothing. He blew a trumpet and the Abysreites were called together to follow him. Who were the Abysreites? That was Joash's family, his father's family. Gideon's success is directly attributable to his family. The very family that was worshiping at the altars of Baal and Asherah at the beginning of our story. But because Gideon died, 
to his insecurities. He laid down who he thought he was and he picked up God's vision. He was able to release a call to a people who had rejected God and all of a sudden became God's army. That's what God wants to do in your family this morning. It's why you work your development with those who know you best. It's easy to be around people who don't know you and you can put on a good show. You can talk the talk, say all the right things, but you know when you walk in the door of your house, they see right through it all. They see where your character is consistent or inconsistent. And this morning, I think some of you just need an anointing to overcome the things that have been holding you back. I think some of you just need an anointing where God just puts you on. I want to be able to say of my life, God wore me. God put me on. God put me on like a glove. Y'all know that gloves fit tight. They're meant to conform. Gideon had to conform to the shape of God. Our lives have to conform to the shape of God. Please stand this morning and open the altars in just a moment. But before I do that, the most important thing I could ever do is give you an opportunity to make Jesus Lord. It's what this is all about. It's that you would come to know Him. If you've never made a decision for Christ this morning, you've never surrendered your life to Him this morning, it's the greatest decision you could ever make. Perhaps at one point in your life you were following Him, but this morning you'd say, I, I'm far from Him. I don't feel like I'm in relationship with the Lord anymore. If that's you this morning. Just a moment, we're going to pray together. Church is going to pray with you. I'm going to ask right now that every head be bowed, every eye closed. This is between you and God. This is a you and God moment. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, you're saying this morning, I want God to rescue me from my sin. I'm far from Him. I want you to slip up your hand. That's you this morning. You might be here this morning, you're saying, I made a decision at one point in my life, but right now I'm far from Him. I don't feel close to God at all. I feel like there's sin that's separating me. If that's you this morning, I want you to slip up your hand. See those hands. We're going to pray this morning. Pray with me. Jesus, I repent of my sin. Everything that separates me from you. I want to know you. I want to be close to you. I want to know your presence. I want to follow you. Thank you, Jesus for the sacrifice you made on my behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram or Facebook or visit www.equippingcenter.us.